Hey there, Purpose Warriors. Welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. This is Dr. Burnell from drburnell.com, where we believe that every season in your life serves a greater purpose. If you're new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community of purpose warriors who believe that God's best version of ourselves is hidden on the inside of us, just waiting to be awakened as we grow in our relationship and continue to say yes to what God has called us to do in the earth. We know that God's purpose for our lives was preordained and the reason why he created us. So every other week, this podcast seeks to explore how to awaken to your purpose from a practical standpoint and become God's best version of you. And we do this by touching upon our five pillars of purpose, faith, relationship, identity, resiliency, and stewardship. If you want to know more about our five pillars of purpose, head over to my website at www.drvernell.com backslash podcast. So before we dive in, I need to share with you that this podcast is being brought to you by my new book, From Pain to Purpose, where I share actionable steps, biblical principles, and life lessons on how I discovered my purpose after a painful and unexpected divorce and was left to raise two children with more than a million dollars of debt, zero access, and a negative network. My book is available on my website, again, at www.drbrunel.com, also on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever books are sold. So if you want to learn more about how to release limiting beliefs, overcome financial difficulties, experience radical breakthroughs, and step courageously into your purpose, then grab your copy today. And remember that God can use whatever unfair or unjust act, any rejection or hurtful experience, and transform your pain into your purpose. So let's jump right in. So good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Awaken a Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vernell. I have a very special and incredible guest. She is one of my sorors of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> I know you want to hit this kiwi up. Um, <laughs> okay, Stephanie McNeil, she is a renowned author and she's also a coach, but I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to her so she can talk a little bit more about herself and then share her story. Well, I am so grateful to be here with you, Dr. Vernell. I fell in love with you from the first meeting, I think. So it has been an absolute pleasure to meet you and see the progress and how God has been moving in your life. But yes, I am Stephanie McNeil and I help divorcees and people recovering from heartbreak to heal through telling their stories. Okay. 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 So how did all of that get started? How did you land in a place of, you know, really having a ministry, ministry slash business? Because I think a ministry can still be a business entrepreneur. How did you get started on your free to love journey? Well, my free to love journey started as Grow Women. I started my business over 10 years ago and I was helping women to grow. And then my brand evolved to Heartbreak to Happy. And then my brand evolved to Free to Love. Okay. So it's like God used the success that I was desiring in my business to force me to do the work in my personal life and my spiritual life. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> when you met me, I was known as a forgiveness coach, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But that's not what God had called me to. He called me to be a minister of reconciliation. Oh, okay. And so I knew how raggedy my life was mm-hmm. and how I had not forgiven and I didn't feel qualified or yeah, I felt like a hypocrite by calling myself a minister of reconciliation. So I just said, okay, minister of reconciliation. I wanted to run away from that minister part, mm-hmm. not knowing that a minister is just one who brings a message, right? Yeah. So I said, oh, well, I think I'm supposed to be a forgiveness coach. And I would go around and talk about being a forgiveness coach. And people would say, oh, I'd never heard of forgiveness coach. And I said, well, me either. But I hindsight, looking back on it, forgiveness was the work that I needed to do. Because when we met, I was struggling with that still. And by the time we met, that was probably at least nine years into my journey. Wow. And that defining moment was the day that my friend said to me, after I've been working as a forgiveness coach for nine years, he said, Stephanie, I know you've been doing all these things in your business, but you still haven't forgiven your former husband. Okay, listen. So what was it that you were doing or saying that led that person to say that to you? It was all in my voice. It was all in my attitude. It was all in what I was saying. You know, forgiveness was on my lips, but wasn't in my heart. Mm. It was my ministry, but it wasn't yet my mastery. Okay. Okay. So for those of us who have gone through a divorce, I know for one of the ways that I described it in my book, it is not the way that you see it on television where someone makes this dramatic exit sometimes and just says, oh, you know, I don't want to be in this anymore and I'm just leaving. And I remember, again, my ex-husband at the time, we got in the bed that night, even though he said he wanted to leave and we turned our backs to each other. So the idea of forgiveness, when you've been really hurt in a very deep way by someone, forgiveness is really a journey. What was it for you that made your friend say that she noticed that you had not forgiven your ex-husband? Well, it was a sucker punch. I felt, you know, but at the same time, I knew that what she was telling was the truth. I'm one of these people that I don't love it, but I don't run away from feedback that's quote unquote negative. I took what she said and evaluated my whole life. You know, I went back to the basics and went back to the place where God called me to. And, and I say, I have a forgiveness process. I've gone through my own process five times because forgiveness, what I learned is that I thought forgiveness, like, because God said to me years ago, unless and until you forgive your former husband, that's going to block your success. So I learned that you forgive on levels. Okay. And so at that point I had forgiven to the level of personal and spiritual development that I had done. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Okay. How long were you married? We were married for 24 years. We stayed together for 20 and I say he probably cheated 17 of them, but he probably cheated on and off the whole time, to be honest. You're saying probably. Do you know that he cheated on you? Well, there were lots of signs. (laughs) Oh, I know he did. Right. I know he did for sure. But I never caught him per se. It's just like behaviors and, Mm -hmm. you know, women know. The red flags. Well, I had a lot of red flags. I just ignored them. And because, you know, 
you want to believe the best and you don't want to believe that someone is hurting you in that way, whether that is intentional or unintentional, right? And so for me, sometimes I just tucked it away. I tried to ignore it, all the red flags that I saw happening. And I think that happens in relationships more often than what we tend to think. And because you believe that your ex-husband at the time had cheated on you for the majority of your relationship, your marriage, it was it your journey toward forgiveness. Did that make it so much harder because you know, or you believe, suspected that he was unfaithful for, you know, at least maybe 17 years of the 24 year marriage? Well, the thing about it is that he chose to live a lifestyle that dictated that he went out every single Friday night, rain, shine, sleet, snow, tornado, hurricane, would not give it up. So that was a big clue. You guys got married? No, Mm -hmm. not to that extent. No, not to that extent. But later on, it just became worse and worse and worse. And Mm -hmm. for me, I used to think when I was in that situation, I said, by the time we have four children. And I said, this is going to be hard. If I leave, it's going to be hard if I stay. So there's no one reason why I stayed. There's Mm -hmm. so many reasons why I stayed. But if I were being honest with myself right now, I would say one of the huge reasons was I didn't want my life to be like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what I wanted my life to be. And so I'm like one of the most optimistic persons on earth. And that can be a blessing or a curse, right? But at a certain point, you have to look at the fruit and make a decision because the reality is, is that most people don't change unless they have to change. Now, to be honest and be fair and balanced, I had my stuff too. Yes, we are. You know, to the extent that he was a cheater, I was a rageaholic. Okay. Okay. I was out of control with my anger to the point that I went to jail three times for jumping on him. Wow. Okay. Keep it real. Now he's six, three, I'm five feet tall. Mm. Yeah. You have like Oprah said in the color purple, but I kill him dead. (laughs) I'd have killed him dead. He would be dead, (laughs) but there were no weapons in the house. Amen. Amen. First of all, I appreciate your transparency, the honesty that's connected to it, because I think sometimes when we we go through situations and especially when we come out on the other side of the situation, we tend to sanitize what took place in a relationship. And we tend to focus on, you know, the person who did us wrong, did us dirty, right? But we don't always, you know, become self-reflective. Like, what did I do to kind of contribute to Not to say that anything you did contributed to the cheating. Um, No, I'm going to say there is something that I did that contributed to the cheating. Okay, what happened? Okay. I created an atmosphere that made it easy for him to continue to cheat because I badgered him. I beat him down. I verbally abused him. I did all of these things. None of that was love. Right. So that created a fight. It was like, oh, I'm going to fight you back. And like you say, in society, it is acceptable. And I talk all about this whole story in my book. Society says if a woman is being cheated on, she has a right to be angry. She has a right to all these things. And so I had society's permission to behave badly. 
That was so good. Okay. Okay. And what I think is so good about that is there are times when we play out certain behaviors in relationships because it is culturally acceptable. When you think about purpose, there is a paradox that's there, which is it's countercultural. And so in order for you to live, you have to die. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to give up something. And yeah, the anger part. I love the fact that, again, just this self-reflection that you've done. And I think it was probably therapeutic in some way and kind of like getting it all out in your book. And I love the fact that you're sharing your story because no one else can weaponize it because you've already put it out there. Listen, (laughs) that is what my infidelity coach used to say all the time. If I tell my story, it's my testimony. If you tell my story, you're gossiping. Mm. Okay. Did you say infidelity coach? Yes. Jesus. (laughs) Had it not been for her, I wouldn't be sitting here before you. I wouldn't have. Amen. She gave me the courage to accept my entire story. The good, the bad, the ugly, the bitter, the sweet. And I used all of that as fertilizer for this amazing life that God is unfolding for me. That is so beautiful. I think, you know, especially in Black culture, sometimes when people look at getting a therapist, getting a coach, sometimes it's really frowned upon. But if you're going through some type of hell and you don't know how to get yourself through it and out of it, I'm like, God does bring, he brings people too. He also brings coaches into other people's lives and things of that nature. And so, amen, that's a blessing to have an infidelity coach. I've never heard of that before, but hey, it doesn't matter Um, because as long as that person helped to bring you from there to where you were, to where you are today, amen. Well, her name is Trey Kearney. Google her. If you're listening, she is amazing. Yeah. Okay. So you got married, you have four kids. There was some cheating that was taking place. There was some raging that was going on. When did you get to a place where you just said, okay, enough is enough? It was at the end of 2014. My father had passed away. My mother was suffering with Alzheimer's and I traveled to Arkansas to pick her up for her to come and live with me permanently. It just so happens that my college sweetheart, the love of my life, they were laying him to rest. He had passed away. Mm. And after I left that funeral, I had a conversation just happenstancely with my high school sweetheart. And he was telling me, you know, we were supposed to get married and this and that. And then the guy that had passed away, I remembered that he loved and adored me. Mm -hmm. And I remembered who I am. Mm -hmm. I remembered that I am deserving of love and to be loved. And then after that, I came home and ran into someone who said that they saw my former husband just at a cookout, just out and out with the side chick. So it was just like all of those things were just blatantly in my face. Mm -hmm. And I made a decision that I was done. And the moment that I made a decision, a windfall of money showed up. People helped me in so many ways to move. And God provided that way out. But the thing that happened was that I remembered who I am and Mm. I made a decision. Wow. Yeah. It's just so interesting when you have these different disruptions in your life that can send you on different paths. 
And I remember someone asking me, does God bring the disruption? Does the devil bring disruption? And I said, if it's a divine disruption, yes, from God, right? Because sometimes God will try to reroute you when you've made certain decisions to still get you to a place of destiny. Then there's some like disruptions are just simply emotional things, like it's emotionally charged things that could happen that kind of like throws you off in some way. And it's not something that is convenient when it happens. And I've seen people who have had different types of disruptions in their lives and they've gone on a like downward spiral. So I love the fact that even though that was something so traumatic for you in your relationship, in your marriage, and to have it like flaunted out there so publicly, right, that God is using that to birth the new thing that he's having you do right now. And so you talked about going from a forgiveness coach, right, to reconciliation. What has that really been like for you? Like, who do you typically really work with and and really help around reconciliation? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, what I discovered is one of the things that made it so hard being a forgiveness coach is that don't nobody want to forgive. That's some hard work. (laughs) To be honest, don't nobody want to forgive, but it's a necessary thing, right? And I always remember they said, give them what they want and then provide them what they need. So I was at a point of just utter desperation. Like I said, I had been on this journey for 10 years Mm -hmm. and barely had made a dime. I mean, I made trinkles and sprinkles of money, but Mm -hmm. I'd never really made any money. And I'm like, God, One of the things that kept me going was because I knew that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I knew it on the inside of my knowing. Yeah, I knew it. And I knew it wasn't about money or else what sane person would still be showing up. But what happened? And I was like, God, how many times do I have to get to the end of myself? And my daughter was getting ready to graduate college. I was getting ready to have an empty nest. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to support myself? And it was like, is this a business? Is this a ministry or is this good works? And I realized, yes, this is a business. And so I was like, God, what do you want me to do? And I heard book anthology. Okay. I had been in one before, so I knew the structure of it and everything. And I executed it convince some people to do it and convince some people to pay me, you know, and it turned into the biggest faith experiment of my life, but it also solidified my purpose and everything started to make sense. Okay. Okay. Because I've always been, my grandfather was a storyteller. He used to stand sit around and tell stories all the time. I've always been fascinated by words and telling stories. So what I realized is that when you tell your story, you have to have a certain amount of healing to tell your story. I also believe that if you want to be a coach or promote a business or things like that, a book can be a tool to do that. Yes. To yes. Establish your platform. Mm -hmm. So I rolled out this program because people want to write their book. They don't know how, but within my program, they get the forgiveness process as a part of it. 
And that was just God that was like, give them that. And then to see it happen, like I had this one woman in my group, she was stuck. She couldn't write her story. Mm -hmm. So she worked through some of the modules in the course. And when she started to write, she had 18,000 words and she was only supposed to have 2,800. Wow. But that's the healing that took place. There's something that you said earlier, which is, I thought it was funny when you said no one wants to forgive. I would kind of like say to that, there are many who don't want to do the work required to forgive in their heart. Right. Because forgiveness is a heart issue. It's something that you need to go to God to help you with. Right. So when the Bible talks about, you know, when Peter was trying to figure out like, well, Lord, what about John basically? And Jesus said, don't worry about him. And, you know, when you start having these conflicts with people and Peter was having some, and some, needed some places where he needed to forgive. And he asked Jesus how many times and he's like seven times 70. And so that means that people are going to hurt you in your life. But the forgiveness part of it is really the hard work that God can help you with. If you're trying to do it on your own, sometimes what will happen is that you can no longer be in that pain that you had before in your heart, but it doesn't mean that you've gotten to a place of healing. So I would just kind of like tack that on <laughs> to yeah. kind of like, you know, what you, what you were saying earlier. And so I love that God really led you down this path of doing this anthology. How are you guys doing now with book sales? Oh, well, I did volume one. Now I'm into volume two. So they're just getting out there. Their book came out in August. So they're just getting out there with their book. And now I've started okay. with a new group. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. So when you're doing like reconciliation, what does that look like for people? So they need to reconcile like with what? Something? So, so really my movement, the free to love movement is about being reconciled to God themselves and then everybody else. And then there's a litmus test that people can check their own hearts with to determine whether or not they have forgiven. So if you no longer have negative thoughts, feelings, or actions towards the person, place, the thing, or the institution, then you are free of unforgiveness. But if you see that person and you be like, eh, you know, you feel that look, you know, or when you talk about them, you know, when their name is mentioned, you feel some kind of way. That is a pretty easy litmus test to let you know that you still got some work to do. A lot of people think that forgiveness is just making a decision to forgive. And really, that is a huge part of it. But you also have to do the work to process the feelings behind the offense. And sometimes you have to do that over and over again. Like I said, we heal on levels. And so for me, I had over 17 years of stuff to process. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I do believe that there are different levels because, you know, again, if you are in proximity with someone and they're hurting over and over and over again, there's forgiveness that has to attack each one of those, you know, kind of like each one of those levels. And this is interesting because I was presenting at this one conference and this one lady was saying to me that they were reading my book. And she said that she started reading my book and she got to the chapter on forgiveness and she took it and threw it across the room. And I was like, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and she said, because for her, it was bringing up some painful memories from her marriage. 
I was like, okay. So she was asking me questions and I asked her, well, how long have you been divorced? And she said 10 years. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're not healed in that area yet. And I would hate for you to go into something else because you're going to drag all that pain, all that heartache into the new thing that God potentially has for you because you have not been healed of that. You have not moved to a place of forgiveness. And it is a journey and it is a process, but I was only able to get there, not because, oh my God, I read all these self-help books. I was only get there because of God, you know, really immersing Mm -hmm. myself in his word and surrendering when he told me to do some things, even though it was countercultural and I did not want to do it. I did not want to do the things that he was telling me to do. But when I did do it, it brought me so much peace. So as we begin to kind of like close this, this out, how can people find you? If they want to connect with you, if they want to be coached by you, how can they reach you? So especially I have a free resource. It's called the three biggest mistakes that may be keeping you from being free to love. And it's just a short, quick masterclass. And you can find that at thelovemistakes.com. Love that. I love that. And then I also put in that show notes where people can, they want to follow you on Instagram and things of that nature. I'll put your website in there, but I just want to thank you so much for sharing with us today, your journey to get to a place of free to love, to be honest and transparent about that you were a forgiveness coach and you still had not forgiven. Jesus, I could fill out my seat. Nothing but the truth. <laughs> no, no. So we're out there trying to help people heal and we haven't been healed. Uh, <laughs> that part. And then the thing about it is that people knew it, right? People knew it. That's why I couldn't sell nothing. That's why I couldn't sell no tickets because I hadn't done the work myself. I'm laughing because it's funny, but I knew it back then. But I was like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. What you want me to do? I don't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it, but I knew it was what I was supposed to do. And then you would hear those people saying, all of these people out here trying to promote something that they haven't done themselves. And I'd be like, that's me. But, oh, wow. but what do you do? You know, like when God called Moses, Moses did not want to do it. He made up every excuse in the book. I stutter and this and that. And in the end, Moses didn't do it. Aaron spoke for him. People don't know that. It's not what you see on the Ten Commandments on the T Charlton Heston. <laughs> Yes, but the Lord sent Aaron to be his voice. His, um, his voice. Yeah. So uh, when I realized all that, I was like, okay, all right, God. You know, I gave myself a break. And now it's funny, but I don't think it was that funny, you know. Uh, it probably wasn't because, you know, sometimes <laughs> we're just spinning our wheels. And I think also sometimes you can get a word from God, but it doesn't mean it's a right now word. It could be a place where he wants to take you, but there is some development that needs to take place before he takes you to that place. There's some character building that has to take place before you can get to that point. And so, yeah, sometimes people get a prophetic word and they hear from God and they start just moving. Oh, I heard from God. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. did you wait and listen for his timing? Like, (laughs) because he told Moses, like, go now, right? Yeah. (laughs) He may not be saying do this thing right now, but Mm -hmm. do this thing. And I know that from personal experience when I knew that God was calling me back to where I was raised. And I was just like, and I knew that, that he was calling, but it wasn't at that moment. It was several months down the road, but I was preparing myself in so many different ways in anticipation for what God was getting ready to do. And so, yeah, so just thank you for that. 
I just appreciate you coming on today and just sharing a little bit about your journey and, you know, where you are. And I can't wait to bring you back on because I believe that God is going to elevate you even more. So I just want to thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's been fun being here. All righty. Beyond my book, if you're interested in learning more about how to become God's best version of yourself by awakening to your purpose, consider enrolling in my online course, which you'll find on my website again, which is www.drvernell.com because God's love for you and the reason why he created you is greater than you will ever know. And guess what? He wants you to succeed in carrying out your purpose.